Hey, welcome to the Remo Tlale Life and Faith Podcast, a long-form podcast designed to help you thrive in your life as well as in your faith. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So grateful that you have tuned in. And I'm super pumped uh, today to be able to have uh, Ben Hutchins on the podcast. Uh, This is a very new friendship for me. This would only be our second time speaking uh, kind of on Zoom and getting to know one another. Uh, But just so excited to be able to chat to to Ben today and really be able to learn from him how young people can thrive in life as well as in their faith. Uh, so Ben, welcome to the podcast, man. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely, brother. If you don't mind, before we jump into your story, uh, could you give us a brief description of who you are and where you're at and what you do at the moment? Yeah. So my name is Ben Hutchins. Again, I'm married to my awesome wife Melina, and we work full time in the ministry here in Southwestern Virginia. And so we, uh, we minister on the campuses of Virginia Tech and Radford University in particular. And we lead a, a small regional congregation that we just planted um, within the Roanoke Valley Church. We just planted this region called the New River Valley region. And it serves kind of three um, college town areas. And so our region okay. is like 70% uh, college students or maybe 60% college students and uh, 30 to 40% uh young professionals and marrieds Uh, it's a growing group it's really exciting uh, but it's mostly young people nice well dude we're so grateful to have you on the podcast and where we where we love to start is really uh, kind of at the beginning and so if you don't mind rolling back the years here for us and giving us kind of a picture of of where you grew up how you grew up you know like if you give if you had to just describe uh, your early years maybe from zero to kind of teenage years uh, who was Ben? You know, what was the family setup like? What are some of the things you enjoyed? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I've lived in Virginia my whole life. Um, I'm a Virginia boy through and through, but I'm also Canadian. So both of my parents okay. became Christians when they were in college in Toronto, Canada, uh, and so okay. they they both became Christians in Toronto, and ended up meeting each other in campus ministry. Uh, and then went on a few different church plantings. And so they went on to the church planting in Vancouver uh, in the western part of Canada. They moved to L.A. Uh, in the early 90s for about two years. And uh, then moved to Virginia where they went on a church planting to Charlottesville, Virginia in 95. And I was born literally right when the church was planted. So I was born in 95 uh, on somewhat of a mission field. And growing up there, um, I was like the only kid uh, in the church, you know, for a while. And so I grew up and I didn't have like a, a teen ministry. Um, I didn't have like, you know, other people that I saw my age who were studying the Bible and becoming Christians. And yeah, so I had kind of an interesting kingdom kid experience um, mm-hmm. growing up in the church, but not around a whole lot of children in the church. And so... Uh, as I got older, I, uh, I really wrestled with my identity in my family uh, as kind of a son and as a, you know, someone who's growing up in the church, making sense of who God is. And so I had a lot of doubts about God, um, but also had a lot of doubts about kind of my place in the family. I was the rebellious one of three. I'm the oldest uh, of my siblings and my sure. brother and sister were 
pretty good children. Uh, my sister's <laughs> nice. adopted from China, and uh, so she had kind of some health challenges as a baby. Um, but she's a great, you know, a great little baby. My brother was very well behaved, and I was rebellious. Um, mm. And so I felt like I didn't belong at home. Like I felt like my parents liked me less because I was the one who always got disciplined. And so I kind of had a hard time feeling like I fit in at home. Uh, but I also felt like I had a hard time fitting in at school. Mm. And so I was really like that kid who was living different lives, trying to be loved, trying to belong, trying to fit in. And as I you know, went into middle school and then became a teenager, I kind of had all those feelings that I project onto God as well. And okay. so I was probably more leaning towards like agnostic, where I believed in, in higher power. I believed there was a God, but a hard time believing the Bible, and therefore had a hard time believing that Jesus was God, that, that the God of the Bible is who he said he was. And so going to church every Sunday, I knew all of the stories I had a really hard time believing stories like, uh, you know, Noah's Ark and Jonah and the whale and creation yeah. and Jesus, you know, raising from the dead, probably the most important story. Um, yeah. Had a hard time believing those. And so as I kind of lived in this space of doubt, going to church every Sunday, because I had to with my parents, um, mm-hmm. but not, not necessarily f- like feeling like I fit in there or even believed what I was hearing. Um, I was also looking for belonging in the world and, and at school, and I started uh, pursuing relationships with girls, feeling like that's that's what would fill me up, that's where I would belong. And kind of long story short, I got into a longer term dating relationship with a girl um, from school, and I'm like kind of the person who, when I, you know, kind of start something, I'm like all in. And so even in a sure. dating relationship, yeah. as a you know. 14 year old, I'm like all in, like, I think this is the girl I'm going to marry, you know? And, um, <laughs> what ended up happening was it was a, uh, a, a very, um, just destructive relationship. It was, it was impure. It was unholy. It was, um, but it was also toxic in a lot of emotional ways. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I kind of got like enslaved to this relationship, you know? And so I would, like, I got cheated on. And then I felt like I was blamed for getting cheated on. I, um, I would get broken up with and then the girl, you know, would want to get back together the next day. It was kind of like that classic, you know, just messed up teenage relationship. Sure. But it really kind of paved the way for how I, I interacted with people. And so I got to a space of a, just a lot of darkness. I was sneaking out of the house all the time. Um, but I was also depressed and, and just hated myself and felt like... I couldn't kind of go on living the way I was living. And so I started praying to whatever was out there. Like, God, if you're out there, please show me, show me a different way in life. Like, show me a different path because this isn't working. And I ended up kind of being forced by my parents to go to a teen camp mm-hmm. a few months later. And I went to this camp and at the camp, I heard a message on the cross uh, from Romans 5. And this idea that, that we could be enemies of God and that we are enemies of God. Sure. But God, even in our enmity, loves us so much that he would send part of himself in Jesus Christ uh, to reconcile us to him. Whether or not we'd want to be reconciled, whether or not we'd respond to the invitation to covenantal relationship. And when I heard that, 
I was like, man, that's a God I can follow. That's a God I can get behind. Okay. Uh, and so I started studying the Bible that week at camp and um, get home and I, I keep studying the Bible. I, I, I get home that weekend after camp and I just confessed all of my sin to my parents, everything I had been hiding from them, everything I had lied to them about and started wow. having more and more conversations like that. And um, I, I, yeah, I studied the Bible for another six weeks after that and struggled with repentance and, and finally got baptized and um, yeah, made Jesus the Lord of my life. And being rebellious and kind of going everything I do, kind of doing it 100%, then that was, you know, that's been my discipleship is I've got to do this 100%. Um, and so that, that led me to go into a campus ministry that was really, really small um, because I wanted to see it grow. I wanted to see God do something amazing there. And uh, I went, so I went to the University of Virginia for undergrad and had an awesome time. My faith was really challenged. I went there with high hopes and man, was I refined. Uh, man, did I fall a lot, but God, uh, God proved faithful. God moved in me and in that time and kind of in my, my own failings, uh, in my own weaknesses, I, I found God was most faithful then. And that's kind of when mm. he set a dream uh, for me going to the full-time ministry on my heart. And so when I graduated college, I, I started leading uh, campus ministry. And I was leading the campus ministry at, at my my undergrad school. And I moved uh, a little over three years ago to um, southwestern Virginia, where Virginia Tech and Radford University are, and started leading the campus ministries there. Um, got married you know, within six months. And my wife and I have been here for the last three years and some change. And then yes. in August of 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, we uh, officially planted the new region of a congregation here. And it's been, it's been a, a ride, but it's been awesome in so many ways. Yeah. Come on, man. Now, well, we definitely want to talk about that because I think that's, that's what we want to learn uh, in the podcast and that's what we want to be able to do. But, but real quick, there was a couple things that kind of stood out to me uh, in your story there. Uh, one is you said you went from struggling to believe the stories in the Bible were true uh, to all of a sudden hearing this one sermon or lesson about the cross and feeling like, man, if that God is real, then I can believe in him. And all of a sudden, I mean, in the story, it sounds like all of a sudden all that disbelief turns to faith. Uh, but I'm thinking about the person who, who's listening to this podcast, maybe a friend recommended it or what have you, and they're not necessarily at the point where they've put faith in Christ, or they've become a disciple, they've given their life to Jesus, whatever word you want to put there. Um, how do you make that transition? How do you transition from, man, I, des- I don't believe these stories to be true, to, man, I, I believe everything about these stories? Yeah, man, that's, so that's a phenomenal question. And I, I will say that my kind of faith journey has been filled with doubt. I think mm-hmm. um, part of my doubts before I became a Christian, they didn't go away. I think I've been yeah. wrestling with those doubts since I became a Christian. Um, but I'm also like so, uh, I'm so uncomfortable sitting in a place of doubt that it just forces me to like engage all of my questions and search the scriptures, you know, study outside resources um, okay. and, and figure out, you know, what are these things that I believe but for me, the biggest kind of step was seeing the person of Jesus Christ. And mm. I think that's the, I think that's got to be the, the, the point that we, we focus on. Um, because really, nobody can deny that Jesus Christ walked the earth. We just, you know, 
question, well, who he, who he really was. Was he just a, a great person, like a Gandhi kind of figure? Uh, was he crazy, right? In the words of C.S. Lewis, was he uh, a lunatic, a liar, or was he Lord? And mm. if I believe in something out there, um, well, if I believe in a God, I believe that God would reveal himself to creation. And okay. I think seeing Jesus as the revelation of who God is to God's created people was was the thing that helped me the most uh, and kind of the thing that I've always gone back to in my doubts. Okay. Yeah, I love that because a lot of people have mentioned this and I think it's important for us to keep reiterating that that faith and doubt aren't exclusive of one another. They can coexist. So you can you can be faithfully following Jesus while resting out, like you say, reading other resources, figuring things out when it comes to your doubts. Exactly. And, and I think... You know, it's so important, especially for guys, you know, in our position, you, you're full-time in the ministry, now leading a region of a church. Like, people need to hear that, oh, the minister also has doubts, and that's somewhat okay, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to, to happen. Oh, yeah. But it's the, it's the wrestling out, it's the working through that needs to happen. Something else that you mentioned in your story is you were in a really dark place. You, you felt like you were depressed, you hated yourself, you had all of those kinds of questions. Um, I wanted to, to find out, and if you don't mind sharing, are, are you kind of, is that a struggle for you, like mental health? Is that something you struggle with on a regular basis? Uh, if so, what does it look like for you personally in your life? Yeah, thanks for asking that. It is, it is um, an area of struggle for me in, in my life on a day-to-day basis. I um, wasn't diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety until I was in college. Okay. And yeah, kind of the, the really the tipping point for me to actually seeing a doctor. And then uh, I, I went to counseling for a little while and ended up getting a, a medical diagnosis. And um, honestly, I've actually been on, on antidepressant medication for um, five years now, I think. Mm. And... The tipping point for me was a time in college, uh, towards the end of my college career, where I went through a breakup in the church. And okay. it, was, it was a time in my life where I was just really questioning everything. And oh. I started having um, some panic attacks and, and wow. you know, major depressive episodes. And it was a time where I was kind of, my mind was conjuring up all these past either past sexual trauma from when I was a child um, or abandonment issues, like all these kind of past emotional uh, things that I hadn't fully dealt with when I became a Christian. Because um, I didn't know, like I just didn't even know what was going on in that part of my, my heart. And so that kind of came out when I was in college and I got a lot of help through it. But it was a lot of stuff that you know, had, had been there for so long but hadn't been dealt with. So. Wow. Snap. And I, I thank you, first of all, for sharing uh, honestly about that. I, I really do appreciate that. I, I just want to ask you kind of for the for the person who maybe feels like, man, I think I have I think I struggle with mental health or or has question marks around mental health and and God and faith. How can this happen? Uh, how did you I'm not saying prescribe anything for them, but how did you reconcile the fact that, man, a God who says he loves you can allow you to struggle with anxiety or panic attacks or depression and stuff like that. How did you kind of wrestle that together? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I think, man, that's a hard question. The thing that really helped me was having people in my life who could speak into the lies 
that I was believing, right? Because mm-hmm. I think ultimately what it comes down to is there's a we're we're in a spiritual war, you know, a, a, a mm-hmm. battle, right? There's a, yeah. you know spiritual warfare going on all around us, and as much as in our kind of dark places, I think our tendency can be to blame God and why would God allow this? Um, mm-hmm. I think He's fighting for us. You know, He's fighting for sure. us in our moments of darkness. He's present in our darkness. We can feel as if he's absent, but when Jesus says, I, I am with you always to the very end of the age, it means he's always present. So yeah. I think in those moments, it's the, the devil's voice, the, the liar who sits on a throne of lies accusing, right? Who's, who's waging war and battling against us and trying to you know, rip us from being able to see and experience God's presence. But God's there. Uh, and sure. so I think a good God... Um, only allows suffering as much as he's willing to fight for those who are suffering. Sure. So. Amen. Well, thanks. Thanks for that, uh, Ben. I, I think this yeah. is going to sound like a really bad segue. <laughs> so, so forgive me because it's also <laughs> has not like it's not on the notes that I sent you. Uh, but I think it kind of yeah. it, it leans us towards this idea that there there is one who is actively trying to not allow us to to thrive in life and in faith. Like there is one who is mm-hmm. actively against young people becoming Christians, young people living out what their true, the truest form should be um, on this planet. Mm-hmm. And, and he wants to undermine all that God is trying to do. So I, I actually want to start the, the conversation there. And if you could just describe to me, what is your, pers- like how do you perceive young people understand Satan and what he's doing in this planet or on this planet? Oh, that's a I, that's a hard question. I don't think young people. I think we know the idea, or at least those who those of us who grew up in church know the idea of there being a Satan, right, or an mm-hmm. accuser or, or a devil. Um, but I don't think we have any grasp about the reality of the spiritual war going on around us, sure. and the idea that Satan. You know, we believe God's alive and active, but we don't think about Satan being alive and active as well. Yeah. You know, and he is. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we think about that nearly enough um yeah yeah, so i think uh i think we need to kind of think about that more and speak about it not in a hopeless sense but in a aware sense yeah well so that's exactly why i kind of it it, sorry and it just kind of hit me that way now is is i actually think we we think about the good and the god stuff and even on this podcast i'll say i'll say it up front like we always talk about that stuff but we we very very rarely get into the other side and i think what's what i'm seeing Mm -hmm. with young people and we had this conversation a couple weeks ago but what i'm seeing with young people is there's a lot of young people leaving the church there's a lot of people who are staying in the church but not, not necessarily even being faithful like there's just this low level oh man about young young people uh, both from church leaders and from church from people within the church themselves um but i think it's because maybe we think about all the good stuff but don't necessarily think about know and understand that man there is this very real negative energy and force against us like not like around the world somewhere but actively trying to get us down um and so again i know i didn't send you these in the in the questions (laughs) that i sent you and so this is a bit of a curveball but if you had to kind of give people um or give us an, an idea of where, where can one start to begin to kind of try to grapple and grasp this idea of the spiritual warfare to hopefully equip me to be able to say, okay, man, I can fight even better because I understand what's happening around me. 
Yeah, that's a great question. And that actually connects a little bit with kind of my doubts growing up and uh, even as, as a believer of Jesus, is that when we read the New Testament, um, at least in, in kind of the modern Western world, we kind of read the words about demons and we just assume it's like an, a mental illness or we assume it's um, like a, maybe a physical disability that, that they just called it a demon. They didn't really know what was going on. Like that's our kind of modernist worldview, assuming that we know about the mm-hmm. natural world and what's going on. I think if we read the even just the New Testament, we read about these demons. What we're reading about is that there's a spiritual battle. And that the whole world needs healing. There's a war going on that God needs to win the war and make things right. And everything that's not made right is due to these evil demonic forces. Mm -hmm. That when we think about people's, yeah, like if we see disease, like people who have, I mean, COVID-19 for one, but we have family members who who die of of horrible diseases or we uh, have friends who are battling illnesses. And we think of it's just a, a, oh, why does God let these things happen in his good creation. Well, mm. if we look at the book of Job, God allows Job to, to be tempted by evil so that God could then intervene and speak into that. Um, but it's the, it's the devil, it's the accuser, it's a Satan that's doing all of that horrible work. Every yeah. time we face evil in this world, it's because the world has fallen and there's demonic forces at work. And I think if we think about every temptation, every illness, every you know, uh, social injustice issue. Like this is the devil's work. There is Mm. demonic forces that are alive and active uh, that need battling. Um, Yeah. And so if we can think that way and see everything as there's, there's good and evil at at war, it'll open up our minds a a little bit more to be able to kind of live into those spaces and be on God's side. Sure. Yeah. I I think, I think you're spot on, man. I, I do think if we can, if we can perceive them that way, especially because I do think, you know, we, the world has deteriorated and will continue to deteriorate until Christ comes back. Like the mm-hmm. little pieces of, of church and, and I call church, not the building, the people that we can carve out, the more amazing this thing is because it, it's not getting any better. Right. And, and, and we, yeah, I guess some would say, but it's better than, you know, Roman, the Roman civilization because of all the slavery and all that. But I'm like, man, there's, some, there's other things that have enslaved us. Uh, and I think they're even more yep. per- permeable than just, you know, uh, those days slavery. But, but I think it's, it's important, and I, I hope people are hearing this because I definitely, I definitely am, that we've got to perceive both. So we need to see the goodness mm-hmm. of God. Uh, it's, it's almost that old saying, like, to, to really understand light, you need to truly understand darkness. And to truly understand darkness, you yeah. need to really understand light. And mm. it's, we, we've got to hold both of those intention uh, there. Mm. Now, I know your heart, because we've had this conversation, is that you want to see young people flock back to the church. You want to see, you know, yeah. cr- Christianity, discipleship, you know, Christ-likeness formed mm. in as many young people as possible. And, and so yeah. I want to try to do something that I haven't really done on the podcast before, but I get a number of questions from young people that, that kind of come, come through you know, in different formats and different feedbacks from different episodes. And I want to see if we can't rattle through you know, a couple of them here and, and, and see if, can we give pieces of advice, wisdom from, from Ben Hutchins and, and your experience? Again, we're not looking for you to be an expert. Just share with us what you know uh, on these things sure. to maybe help to maybe help inspire people to feel like, man, there, there is a fight worth fighting and I can be 
uh, moved closer towards God here. Uh, and the first place I want to start is biblical literacy. And mm. you and I had this conversation uh, again a couple of weeks ago. Yep. We spoke about that. This one of the things that we see, both of us see, lacking in young people is biblical literacy. So if you can maybe describe what biblical literacy is for us, and then and then let me know what do you think are some some ways that we can get around that or get over that that we can get people to be biblically literate. Yeah, man, that's a phenomenal question and something that my wife and I are both passionate about. And when I think about biblical literacy. Um, I don't think about just being able to like read the Bible or know where different verses are or know which books of the Bible are where. I think those things are huge and important. But I think the next step of biblical literacy beyond kind of knowing your way around the Bible is being able to then kind of take the Bible and apply it and interpret it for our current context. Um, yeah. And that's kind of our, our, our understanding of biblical hermeneutics how we interpret and apply the Bible to our lives today. And so many of the questions pe- young people are asking are around you know, these, these significant cultural issues that we're facing. And if we don't mm-hmm. know how to you know, deal with our culture, if, if we don't know our Bibles enough to you know, see what the Bible says about different cultural issues, or even how it, how it speaks to them in a modern con- uh, context, then mm-hmm. we won't be able to be biblical, uh, biblically literate. And uh, so I th- that's kind of how I think about biblical literacy and kind of the need for it. Sure. I love that. Just to be able to kind of help hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper. I can't remember which preacher said that, but he used to hold the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in yeah. the other, and, and, and let the one inform the other. So, so the, the, I need yep. to know the Bible well enough to be able to apply it to what's happening in the culture and in the situation uh, and so baby steps, what, what is a, if, if today I say, man, okay, Ben, I grew up in the church or I've been in the church long enough to know where, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts and the Dead to the road. Like I know that, that sequence. Mm-hmm. I know the key passages, Philippians 4.13, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that yep, stuff. Yep. <laughs> Let's move that stuff aside. And I now want to get into what you're talking about, the ability to take the Bible and apply it into the culture uh, so that I can answer these hard questions that are coming at me, but are coming at Christianity and are coming at just human beings, I think, as, as in general. What would you say are some, some, you know, maybe one or two basics that people could walk away with? Yeah, man, great question. I think one, one basic is, uh, well, I, I guess foundationally, we have to read our Bibles. Um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people who grew up in the church, we, we're very familiar with Bible stories, but many mm-hmm. of us haven't read through the whole Bible. And don't read through the whole Bible consistently. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think a goal for people would be to read read through the entire Bible, for one, and and for two, to actually keep reading through the whole Bible. Um, Because if we don't write write these words on the tablets of our hearts, if we don't understand from start to finish of, of, you know, those scriptures, how Mm -hmm. how are we to apply them to our modern context? Um, So I think one is just, we just got to keep reading, you know. Um, But two, I think... As we read our Bibles, as we are familiar with stories, we have a tendency to kind of skip past or read right through things that are really challenging and that really don't mm-hmm. make sense at first glance. Mm-hmm. Um, we think about stories like in, in Genesis when Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by fire, right? Or you have you know these these kind of townspeople trying to to rape these angels that are that look mm-hmm. like humans that come into their town like those are incredibly 
terrifying and crazy stories and we can just read past them because we're used to them. Um, But like these are stories we have to engage. Like what is, what's the deeper thing going on there? Yeah. Um, And so I think stories like that throughout the Bible, actually engaging and asking the hard questions. Um, Because if we don't ask the hard questions, there'll be doubts in the back of our mind that never get addressed. Yeah. Um, And then we don't have a way to make sense of God and his, his word, but also how his word applies to us in our culture today. Got you. All right. I hope people are taking notes, man. That, that's some good stuff. Um, and so that, that kind of segues into the next piece is, is prayer. Let's talk prayer. What do you think kind of young people really need to learn about prayer? About prayer? Mm-hmm. Man, I, I love prayer. Um, one, because it's not easy for me. It's okay. prayer. I'm like, another thing about me is, uh, I have, uh, extreme ADHD. I'm like, I can't like talk to someone for very long at all without fidgeting, playing with something with my hands. So I'm a yeah. big, like, let's walk and talk kind of guy. I go on, on walks a lot. Um, and so prayer is hard for me. It's really hard for me to sit kind of still or even just stay on track in my mind if I'm praying out loud or in my head. Um, but how I see prayer is a kind of a, an intersection with the divine. Mm. If we think about kind of heaven and earth in these two spheres of being, prayer is where the two come together or is one sure. of the spaces where the two come together. Prayer is where we're able to kind of live into and participate in the life of God. Uh, and so if you know, we, can't, we can't bring heaven to earth you know, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can't bring heaven to earth without prayer. Sure. Um, prayer is is inviting God into the places where he's already there, but maybe we, we aren't, we're not participating in his work there. And so mm-hmm. I think prayer allows us to participate in God's work uh, in our world, in our here and now. Sure. Anyway, I, I think that, yeah, I, I love that intersection analogy because I just see myself almost almost at a crossroads of like, will I continue Mm. down the path of just allowing my flesh to do the work or am I going to invite God and and am I going to try to travel towards where God is so I can connect with him? And that, that's the, I have more of like a road intersection in my mind, but I, I I love that picture. because I do think it's, that's the wrestle is I could just keep trying to do this on my own in my fleshly nature, but it's, I've got to, I've got to learn to call God in and, beg God to be in, in these spaces and, and to call me towards spaces mm-hmm. that he needs me to be in. So um, I appreciate that a ton. Um, and, and then um, kind of one more spiritual discipline thing before we kind of move on. Uh, what about the yeah. Sabbath? Do you, I think, I think if I remember our conversation, you know, a couple of weeks ago that you mentioned that you do practice the Sabbath, uh, could you maybe define what the yep. Sabbath is for people who don't know what it is and then how you guys practice it? Yeah, Sabbath is something that is, is super important for um, our little family unit, uh, but something we, we share about a lot. Sabbath is basically, it's, it's kind of representative of uh, the creation account in Genesis 1 where God you know, spends six days, you know, kind of at least figuratively speaking, spends six days creating and on the seventh mm-hmm. day rests yeah. and then sets in motion rhythms uh, for humans to be able to rest, rhythms of time mm-hmm. and different seasons, uh, mm-hmm. you know, months through the moon, you know, all these cool things. Yeah. And 
my wife and I, we practice Sabbath on Mondays. That's kind of our, our day off. Uh, yeah. And so one day a week, we say, hey, we're going to take a break from work and mm-hmm. allow. Um, and, and what we do for our Sabbath is, one, we try to just rest, say, hey, no work. Uh, two, we celebrate God and kind of remember, remember God's ongoing work uh, in us and how he keeps working when we, you know, when we rest, that God mm-hmm. is at, at live and, and it allows us to kind of live into a space of trust where, you know, we're less focused on consuming, we're less focused on producing, uh, and we're trusting that God is working behind the scenes more than we ever could. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we celebrate that. We, we spend a lot of just kind of great time with God. We do a family devotional each week um, on, on Sabbath. And then we usually also try to spend time delighting in creation. And so we mm-hmm. think about rest, celebrate, and delight. And that's how we practice Sabbath. And uh, for me, delighting in creation means like, if possible, getting outside, doing something in nature, um, going for a run or a long walk, um, mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, yeah, my wife and I, we, we definitely spend our Sabbath differently. But what okay. we usually do is we have time that we spend together um, mm-hmm. either going on a date or go to a coffee shop and play a game, uh, something like that. Uh, but then we also have time that we spend alone, kind of in, sure. in our own silence and solitude. Uh, and my wife likes going to, uh, going to stores and just like walking mm-hmm. aisles. Um, wow. And just something about that's peaceful for her. I like hate that. So that's her thing. <laughs> I go outside I mean. and I walk outside <laughs> yeah. or I run or I you know, get on a trail or something like that. But that's kind of what I do. But what we try to do every week is no work, trust God, uh, celebrate him, spend great time with him and delight in creation, do something we enjoy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and talk to me because you, you're in the ministry. So, so Ben, you have the option yeah. of taking a Monday off. Uh, what about me? I work, I work a nine to five, Monday through, Monday through Friday, man. Uh, sometimes the boss even calls me on Saturdays. You know, how do I, how do I as a young person incorporate Sabbath in, in that kind of a life, in, in that kind of a lifestyle? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and my encouragement, so my wife and I are, are huge proponents of people practicing and implementing Sabbath um, because we just think it's so formative for us as humans mm-hmm. and, and so formative or counterformative to what culture is doing in us. Culture is telling us we are yeah. what we produce. Culture is telling us we are what we consume. Culture is telling us that, hey, you have to be successful in the world's eyes, and that's who you are. Sabbath helps us mm-hmm. live into a God-centered mm-hmm. identity and lets us be rather than do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I started practicing Sabbath when I was a college student, uh, and I was actually working a, a part-time job, a full-time camp, uh, college student, and I was on a Division I um, athletic team. I, I was wrestling in college. And so I was like crazy busy, stressed out all the time. And sure. I kind of got uh, people speaking into my life saying, hey, have you ever thought about practicing Sabbath? And when yeah. I tell people about, you know, hey, you should practice Sabbath, I always say start, start small. Um, mm. Otherwise, it's, it's way too overwhelming. Yeah. And so what I started doing when I started practicing was – I would take, you know, three hours on a Saturday morning where I'd get up on a Saturday morning early and just spend three hours alone uh, in time with God and doing something I loved and just being by myself. Mm. Um, like not and just learning how to say no, 
yeah. and covering out that space in my time um, and saying, hey, I need this time uh, to be with God and, and to rest. And yeah. for me, resting was getting outdoors. Um, yeah. So that's why I always say, hey, start really small. Take a few hours and, and you know, pick your, whatever one day you have off is. And if you're working, you know, seven, seven days a week, um, I, w- I would say consider uh, looking to switch careers or consider mm. changing your work schedule because I think it'll, it'll run, you, run you into the ground otherwise. Um, yes. But that, that's my two cents. Yeah, that's super helpful. I like to start small, you know, kind of do three hours and then four hours and then five hours and six hours. And, exactly. Because I, I know full, full professionals who, who take entire 24-hour periods of no work, no, like very little technology. Like I know people who do that, but I think for young people, it's, yep. like, it's such a daunting task to think of a whole day. So I love the idea of starting small. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's kind of shift gears into community. Uh, and, and maybe if you yeah. can define, because uh, what, what, what I know and what a lot of young people have spoken to me about and people that I'm, I'm, I, I can circle up with is, is you know, it's, it's, it's just I need people. Like I need community. And, and mm. this is a thing that is just repeated over and over on the podcast. It almost seems like a running theme. Yeah. Uh, but what, what would you define community as? Uh, and then I've got two questions on it. I would define community as living as an image bearer of God. Um, And why I say that is because God is a God of community. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is the God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he creates us in his image, right? Genesis 126, Mm -hmm. uh, that we are created in God's image. And I think that's the part of God's image that we're, we're creating, that we are relational beings that humans yeah. need relationship. Uh, and so I think just being an image bearer of God is, is being in need of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so community, I think, then is anything that, anything that gathers people in relationship. Um, but Christian community in particular, is people, I think, is, is uh, the gathering of people in relationship in and before uh, the Most High God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, I like that. Okay, so my, my two questions on that, cause, and I think you've already started to touch on it, is how, how can I be a good member of community? So whether that community is me and my housemate, or me and this person that mm. mentors or I mentor, or this, this friend, this, this peer, this kind of Barnabas-like relationship, right? That how can I be yeah. a great member of community, but also how do I pursue community? Meaning, I, I want to be contributing, mm. but also want to be receiving something, right? Like, there's, there's, I need community as much as I want to give community. So how do I, what are some great things that I can work on or try to do to kind of achieve both? Yeah, there's a, I'll, I'll just give a book recommendation for anybody who's listening awesome. to this. Uh, there's a book called Life Together by Dietrich yeah. Bonhoeffer that mm. totally transformed the way I view community. And... Yeah, so I think being a, a good member of community, uh, because community is all about give and take. It's, it's relational. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think to, to be a good member of community, we have to think of ourselves not as our own. Um, because when we, when we think of ourselves as our own, then we feel entitled to community. We feel entitled to relationship to others. And we're yeah. only willing to give uh, others as much as we want to sacrifice of ourselves. And... Sure. When that's the case, then we don't trust one another. We can't. We don't have self-emptying, self-sacrificial love for one another, because we're holding stuff back. 
Um, yes. And then if, if we're all holding stuff back, then we're not really bought in. Our skin isn't in the game. And, yeah. and then our community is, is um, then we're, you know, we wonder why our community doesn't feel as close or as um, loving or like we don't belong. It's because we're not all the way in. Yeah. And yeah. And so I think one huge thing is, is if, if you want to, if you want community, you've got to be all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, what God did in the person of Jesus. He says, yeah. I want to reconcile the people on earth, my created people into my community. He says, okay, I'm going to take on flesh in the person of Jesus, dwell with them and take on all of their sin, all of their junk. And I'm going to yeah. forgive them. I'm going to invite them into relationship and community with me again. And yeah. part of community is, is making mistakes. Part of community is saying I'm sorry and, and saying I forgive you. Um, sure. And my wife and I, we, we get to really experience this in a special way because uh, we have two, two other sisters um, in our congregation here who live with us. Okay. Uh, and what we try to do actually is we try to do kind of like family devotionals um, mm. each morning throughout the week. And it's not like a we, we shoot for every morning, but there's always one or two days a week where we where things come up and we double book and we it doesn't sure. happen. But what we try to do is have that time where we're constantly going back to relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And it it's a our family devotional is a time where we worship, pray, read scripture, memorize scripture together. But it's also mm-hmm. a time where we confess our sin, you know, when when we've sinned against each other and we mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry, or we say, Hey, this hurt me. You know, like, mm. can you not do yeah. that? Or, you know, what happened there? Yeah. And I think we struggle with community, one, because we're not fully bought in, but two, because uh, we're not willing to, to say hard things. You know, mm. we're not willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. When we're hurt, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to disrupt our image. But to be image bearers, we have to be in community. And then so it, it messes up the whole system of how we're created in the depths of our being. So, yeah. I don't know, I think forgiveness, saying I'm sorry, and, and giving ourselves wholly to one another yeah. are, are my ideas of community. Sure. I love it. Well, Life, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, is, uh, is the book recommendation. So that's always cool to give people something tangible to go, to go and try and yeah, to, to I love it. follow up on. Um, so, okay, so we, we've spoken about a number of things, and I think we've, we've covered a good chunk of questions that people ask. But I want to end with kind of two two more things, uh, and I'll I'll kind of start yeah. with with profession. Right? I, I'm a I'm a mm-hmm. faithful I believe in Jesus disciple. Okay, uh, and some of the people who listen to this podcast are either in high school or even in college, you know, university age, and that's great. And we don't want to exclude you guys, but you're working towards this. But I'm I've now graduated and I'm I'm in my job, and how does the Christian kind of wrestle especially the young christian wrestle with the the desire and hunger for success meaning i want to move forward Mm -hmm. in my career but also at the same time i want to make sure that i'm still able to honor god how would you how would you kind of advise someone who's in that middle trying to figure those two out at the same time yeah that is that's a tough space to be in um and it's but it's also i think kind of the space that's most formative Mm-hmm. Um, and cause you have someone like me who's now, you know, my full-time career is working in professional ministry and I love yeah. it. It's like incredibly difficult and you have to be incredibly resilient, but it is just amazing. You know, that, that mm-hmm. my whole life gets to be centered around the thing that, 
that matters most to me, the truest bit of me, the thing I care about more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's an amazing privilege. But for people who are, are working professional jobs, um, I think the, the biggest thing is not letting your identity come from your role. Uh, that would be mm-hmm. my kind of two cents is, is not having a role-based identity, but having a God-centered identity. Wow. Um, because if our, if our kind of identity is based on our role and the drive for success, because success is, you know, it, it's important to work our hardest. It's important to have integrity, to be resilient. Um, but that's not our identity. Our yeah. identity cannot be what we consume or what we produce. It cannot be in our role because our roles will change. Our roles will go up and down. Our, our level of success will go up and down. How people mm-hmm. perceive us is is variable you know it's it's not um in our control uh Mm -hmm. but our god-centered identity will will never you know if if that's where our identity is built on it'll it'll never fall it'll never waver um it's it's the rock it's salvation you know um and so that would be my two cents is is make sure that you build your life on your god-centered identity and anything that gets in the way of that needs to be dealt with. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Those are my two cents. No, dude, that's super helpful. Because what I'm also not hearing you say is don't work hard. You're not, you're not saying be mediocre so you can stay faithful. You're saying just make sure that you're centered on who God made you to be. And I think if, personally, yeah. I, you could disagree if you disagree with this. But if you, if you push and aim and fight to be the best image bearer you can be, you're going to be one of the most, the best employees you could possibly be. Because that's just the design exactly. of the disciple. You're honest, you're integrity, you have great integrity, you work hard. Like all of those things are what Christ calls us to be like here on this planet. So uh, I, I love that you're calling people back to that. Yeah. I think if, if that's not what we're called into, then either one, we get legalistic or two, we get bitter. You know, because if we have a role based identity, but then we're trying to like sacrifice for God in all these ways, what we end up doing is we're trying to manipulate God into blessing us. You know, we're doing all these good things for God, hoping that he'll then give us success. And then if we don't get that, we're bitter or we're self-righteous and legalistic. And neither of those is best case scenario. Right. What we're we're hoping (laughs) for is a God centered identity. Right. Best case scenarios were formed into the likeness of Christ. Uh, for the sake of this world, right? If we're all image bearers of Christ, man, this world is, it's renewed. It's a different place. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Now, this is good. This totally is good, agree. Ben. Okay, last, last kind of practical question. Uh, I'm a young professional person. I'm starting to earn money. How do I think about my finances? Oh, great question. Great question. Yeah, I mean, I think at least... I don't know where I live at. Young people are not one. We're not like super well educated with money, uh, okay. but two, we've never like really, you know, kind of studied out what well, what does the Bible say about finances? How do we live uh, faithfully with our finances? And so mm-hmm. my, uh, I probably have three, uh, probably three kind of piece of advice for young people dealing with money. I think one, everybody should have a personal budget. In my opinion, now, this is just yeah. my opinion. But I think we all need to learn how to budget, how to mm-hmm. kind of take account of what's, you know, what are we making? What's our income? And then what are we spending? Uh, and then mm-hmm. making sure that we're not spending more than what we're making. Uh, so one, budgeting. Two is, is saving. I think, you know, wherever you're at in, in your finances, learning to 
the discipline of saving, even if it's mm-hmm. a tiny bit because that's all you can. Yeah. I think learning how to save is crucial, especially mm-hmm. when you're young. Probably it's more important when you're young than uh, anything because then interest compounds. Yeah. So budgeting, saving. Uh, but then the third thing would be, and this is probably the thing that's helped me the most with the first two, mm-hmm. is having an older mentor, or kind sure. of like a person of wise counsel who knows yeah. more about money than me, who's been around the block longer than I have, who can help me in my finances, mm-hmm. who can help me learn how to save and budget and, and be wise. What's a good investment? What's not? Sure. Um, but letting that wise person also speak into maybe my discretionary spending that isn't as, you know, isn't as a, uh, disciplined, you know, I think is, is yeah. huge. So those are the things that have helped me and I highly recommend for, for anybody else. Sure. I love that idea of a budget and, and, and obviously being able to save, but I love the, the mentor. I think that that's going to be a huge game changer. And I, I've, I've, I'm starting to really see it and starting to, to try and kind of call it out in people. But the, the young person who leans into a mentor, regardless of if it's finances, career, yes. discipleship, whatever the case may be, that's the person who probably is going to be able to grow and go the furthest. Um, the person who decides when totally. I'm a lone ranger, a lone wolf, I, I think you know, you, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, but dude, this has been so totally. great. And so I just want to thank you. Uh, before I have one more question before we close off that I close off with everybody. But just thank you so much for availing yeah. yourself, Ben. And thank you for the, the work that you do. Uh, I definitely want to put insight, the, the, the initiative you guys were involved with uh, in part of the show notes. And people can, can kind of look at the show notes for that. Uh, but I, I know that you yeah. have a heart to see young people kind of love God, to thrive, you know, in life and in their faith. And so just so grateful that we could chat. Uh, but the question I want to end off with is what would you say? You have the final word. This is the last thing that people will hear on the podcast. What would you say to help people, help, to help young people, excuse me, thrive in life as well as in their faith? I'd say rest with God. Um, rest with God. I think spend time falling in love and cultivating your relationship with God. And I really believe everything else falls into place. And it might be mm. years from now, but if we're, if, if we're letting our identity in Christ be the thing that forms us more than anything else, then I really do believe that we will be empowered to handle anything life throws at us. And even if it's really hard things, we'll learn resilience through it and, and we'll come out uh, stronger in the power of God than ever before. Sure. So rest with God, cultivate that, that God-centered identity. Amen. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. For more thought-provoking conversations, subscribe to the Rima Klale Life and Faith Podcast. Please like, review, and share so that we can continue to help others thrive in their life as well as in their faith.